Happy Sunday, Marie. Happy Sunday, Diane. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Hello. Hey, Angela Moore. Hey, how are hey. you? How are you doing? Fine, how are you? Doing great. Good, good, good. Well, uh, I think this is the first time we have uh, first cousins, our mothers, our sisters. So... This is our blessed Sunday. We have uh, three first cousins on the line for the first time. Ain't that something? Mm. It's wonderful. I had my earpiece on. It's like the ear thing's not working, but I just put it on speaker. Yeah, mine just stopped working too for some reason. I'm not sure why. But um, so uh, Boo, uh, we call her Boo. Her name is Angela Moore. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this business of homelessness or this service of homelessness, not business. Yeah, um, my name is Angela Brockman Moore. Um, I've been doing this probably about 20 plus years now. I kind of stumbled into this um, homelessness um, area. I've been doing case management for a while. I um, started out doing um, substance abuse and mental health case management. And that kind of evolved into helping people who are homeless. Um, and it's a, it's a wide range of things that we do for people. So that's how I got started. But um, I enjoy the work. It's just a lot of work. Um, but you got to be passionate about what you do. So I think this is my thing. Are you a counselor, Boo? Yes. I didn't know that. Tell me how you, how you did, is that what you've always wanted to do? No, no, no. I mean, no, I didn't want to do this. I went to school to, you know, have a, I have a degree in business. Um, oh. I didn't always want to do this. I think I just kind of came across this because of the different jobs, you know, I, I end up having. Um, but I'm a counselor. I'm a substance abuse trainer. I'm a, um, a specialist for people who are HIV positive. Um, so I kind of came across this just being in the business, in the, the medical field. And through the medical field, that's how I got certifications for different things. Um, and I ended up being a counselor. I mean, because that's not easy to do to become a counselor. Mm-mm. You got to be dedicated to this 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 job because it's a lot of work. Because the people you deal with, you deal with all types of people. Um, people who, you know, especially with people who are homeless, um, you know, they're at the bottom of their of their life, and you have to really convince them to kind of you know, appreciate the services that we have and use the services. A lot of times people who are homeless have a lot of mental health issues and they can't understand a lot of times that you're trying to help them. They think that, you know, you're coming at them for something. So it's a, it's a little difficult. So walk us through, uh, I know you worked in like three arenas, the homeless men, women and children, you were the director of that center, and now you're with all men. So walk us through like a day of what the type of person that you'd be dealing with and what you're trying to do for them. Okay, my day. Um, now I deal with only men, but before I used to deal with um, families um, who were homeless or who had substance abuse issues. So the day might start out with just the intake you go through the intake process to find out, you know, um, find out everything about the person within a few minutes. Um, 
How long you been homeless? What caused you home? What caused you to be homeless? Do you have any family? You know, you ask them all these questions when you first meet them. A lot of times they don't want to tell you stuff, so you just ask ask questions. You don't keep trying to bombard them with things, but you try to get a a sense of where they are um, because they, uh, I don't know. In the day, you might come in and say that person might come in and be just come off the streets. A lot of people come straight off the streets. With now with with COVID, they have to get tested before we even get to talk to them. So the day might start off with um, they come to the shelter, they get showered, they get cleaned up, they get something to eat, and then they'll come talk to us. Um, and after they talk to us, we go through the whole process of, you know, trying to figure out how we can help them. Um, and that might be right now we have about 50, 60 clients, but usually we have like 150 clients. Right now, my case load is about maybe about 30 clients or so. But when we have a full, full, full load, we ha- might have like 150, 170 men. And you try, you, they break down all the different guys into groups, and those groups come to us, the different case managers. So during the day, you might see five or six clients, and then you might do one or two intakes with them because sometimes they don't want to talk to you. So you got to come back and forth, and the next day you try to, you know, talk to them and try to see what they want to do and see what they need. So it's it's a full range of things that you have to do to just to get break that ice with most of these men because they're they're coming straight off the street. So are they coming straight off the street? And walking in the door or someone bringing them there? Some, it might be both. They might come. Now with COVID, um, a lot of times they go, to the, they go to a hotel first. It's like a screening process. We take them through. They take them through. Um, they get them to go to like a, a ER. The ER gives them a, like a medical test. And then once the test comes back negative, then they get referred to us through uh, Department of Social Services. And then... They come to us. They may just walk in. You know, they, they might give them a bus ticket to come to the shelter or somebody might bring them. Mm-hmm. It just depends on the situation. And then, so how long can they stay there typically? Um, typically, they're supposed to stay here, stay at the shelter for four months. But I have some guys who've been there for a year now. So it just depends. Um, with COVID, um, the state has extended them staying in shelters longer because we don't want to put them out in the street and, they, you know, they come homeless all over again. So when they leave us, we try to set, make sure they set up, get set up for their housing, their food stamps, uh, receiving some kind of um, services from, from Department of Social Services. So we try to do that before we let them go because um, a lot of times they come right back within two or three months if they don't get things set up. So it's the process. Um, uh, so what does, uh, like, when they go into the hotels, mm-hmm. can, um, why don't they, since hotels are closed, um, why can't they just stay past that four-month period or whatever y'all's limit is? Because the shelter, our shelter is considered an emergency shelter. You know, they're supposed to come just for a couple of months, not to be a long-term shelter. Um, and then the, the state and government doesn't pay for bed, you know, bed nights that long. 
that's why they try to they try to get us to help them to set up so they can move out of the shelter into like a transitional living or um, some type of section eight or some type of subsidized housing. So, you know, it's, it's like a, a big cycle. Once they come in, we try to keep pushing them out. But a lot of times they, if they don't have their mind right, if they, their mental health um, is not stable enough, they end up right back in the shelter again. So we try to do everything we can do so they can't come back to the shelter. But uh, just depends on the person. Sometimes we have people go out and, you know, be successful. Then we have some people who come right back. Wow. Well, I just saw this thing on you. I was trying to uh, kind of do a little homeless information before I got on the phone with you. And I just saw uh-huh. this thing on YouTube that said that um, this woman was saying that um, she's in Florida, that when she used to walk through the shelter, and this thing's about four months ago, so it's not recent, you know, in, in COVID time, it's not recent. She said, well, she used to walk through the shelter, you know, and put, through the cafeteria area where people be eating. They mm-hmm. kind of know 90% of the clients. But she said now, right. because of COVID, they, she don't know half of the people there because there's all types of people now in that because so many people have been evicted and you now have homes because of COVID. And they come to the shelter trying to eat and trying to find right way to have a place to stay yeah so many homeless people i was looking at i was looking at some statistics about um, the state of homelessness in america <laughs> and how many people we have homeless um it's over like three hundred thousand people are homeless so you can imagine like in the big cities you know you can kind of count them um but when you start to talk about rural areas you don't know how many people are, are homeless in the rural areas because they're not being counted but so many people are homeless now because of COVID, but um, a lot of people don't know that you can't get evicted right now. You can't get evicted. You shouldn't get evicted, and your gas and electric shouldn't be cut off. Your water shouldn't be cut off, but those services, people who are homeless, they don't know about those services, you know? They get evicted, and they just they just think, I have to be on the street. Nobody's going to help me until they come to like an agency like we have. Then we tell them about these services, but it's after the fact, you know? But COVID has really done a lot. You see all types of people homeless now. I had a guy who was a PhD in physics. He's homeless. Um, nurses, all types of profession. All, you would be amazed how many people are homeless in America. Whole, all types of people. When you were working at the shelter where you were working with families or most mm-hmm. of the parents there working parents? Um, most of the, most of the women that we had didn't work at all. Most of those women were getting um, so, social services and um, they come in because they, they were on a section eight waiting list. Our company, our agency um, took all, took families. We had 18 families in the building. We had over a hundred families to total, but all these families had section eight or were on a waiting list. And that's how we ended up with them. But the women that were in there, most of them didn't work. They just got section eight food stamps, um, social services. Now, after they got into our program, we pushed job training. You know, we did different things to try to get them out there to work again. Um, but most of them didn't do that because they had substance abuse issues too. So you see, you got to address all those issues before you can get somebody to go to work. 
Okay, so most of them, you know, couldn't get to a place where they could work. No, no. After after they've been, you know, most of the times they can get into a program like the program I was in with the women and children. Once they get into those programs and they take advantage of the program, because you offer them all types of training, all types of help for the kids, daycare, you offer them all types of things. But if they're still using drugs or if their mental health is not stable enough, uh, it takes a minute to get them to the point where they can go out and just get a job. It's just uh, almost like an endless cycle of trying to get people to work, you know, to get them trained to work or get a GED or get some type of training just to get a job. What, what do you think, Boo, like as we're getting to the place where, you know, they're just sending out checks because uh-huh. of what's happening with COVID. Right. Let's just take your, your client base. What do you think would happen if they had, a, you know, $2,000 a month that they could get each month from the government? Could they make it? Uh, they can make it, but a lot of times they're probably going to blow most of the money. Uh, unless you sit down with them and do a budget. You know, when people get money, they're just like kids, people who are homeless and who have mental health issues. They're just going to spend the money and not really focus on what they need to do with it. Um, now, some families or men or women who get that will get that money, if they're focused enough, they'd be okay. But a lot of them are not focused. They, um, If they're still um, using drugs or still drinking, that money is just going to go out the window. Okay, so it sort of sounds like me, it boils down to drugs, uh, drinking, mental health issues needs to be dealt yes. with. Right. That's the fr- that's why when they come in, you know, we take them through all those, ask all those questions. A lot of times they don't want to answer because before they come to me, they go through another intake process. And by the time they get to me, you know, I'm, I'm the second phase of trying to get information from them. Uh, the first part, when they go to the intake person, Half the time, they don't give the person all the information. So that's why they wait and they come to me. And then I kind of not drill them, but, you know, make them feel a little more comfortable about talking to me. And they give me a lot of information at that time. And then if they do have a mental health issue or substance abuse issue, I'm trying to refer them as soon as they come in the door somewhere. Because I know if I can get that stuff set up for them down the line that, you know, they might get stable enough to take care of themselves. So when you say that, are people coming into the facility to provide mental health counseling, or are they you taking them somewhere? No, we have got doc. We got a nurse on staff. We have a therapist on staff, um, and then we got um, a place called Healthcare for the Homeless. We can refer them there for all their medical treatments, and then after that, once I get that set up, um, and then I can refer them to other places if they have insurance. They don't have insurance, and I send them with the nurse, and the nurse tries to get them at least medical assistance. So it's just like you got to, you know, step by step by step to get them to a stable place. So why do you think that, um, you know, homelessness is still a major problem in this country? Uh, I think it's, it's based on economics. If people ha- If people are working and have money, they don't end up being homeless. But if they don't have that, and with COVID, um, it's really, really, really bad now. So I think that um, I found that a lot of people come to come to our shelter who are probably had in a relationship with someone and the person put them out 
or a lot of the young people come just not being stable at all and on drugs or, you know, drinking and the family put them out of the house and they end up homeless. But if they were some, we even have some guys who work, who work a nine to five, but they just don't have enough money to pay the bills. So they come to the shelter because they know they can come here for three months, save their money and then move on to something else. I guess I'm, you know, I'm always trying to get to the solution. Right? Yeah, yeah, me too. That's what I was doing. Me worry. too. Yeah. But I'm not, I mean, I'm listening, but I'm not seeing what that solution is. It's, it's, it's a long road to the solution. You hear me? Because I'm telling you, I've been doing this for 20 plus years and I see a little bit of light at the tunnel, but a lot of times, I mean, I could call clients right now who I've had 15 years ago, and they're probably just a little baby steps, you know, that maybe they're working a little part-time job, but still, you know, they're still not stable enough to work, you know, a full-time job and pay their own rent. So the solution is just, it's all about education. It's got to be education and finances. Once that's, that's, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, okay, so, you know, I've been reading about being a solutionarian since, you know, yeah. that's what we we're talking, you know, that's what I think our new thing is going to be for our family. We're going to be solutionary. You know, we yeah. all do everything. So I think the solution, you said it's education and finance. Okay, so right. everybody knows, I don't know how we figured it out, but everybody knows they're going to need a place to live. Yeah. So why why right. would you have to? Why do you wait till you are eighteen or twenty or twenty one when your parents say, "Wait a minute, maybe you should be if you're not working or going to school, you need to think about where you're going to live." So I think you start start teaching kids like in the first grade. Like Della wants to teach kids in elementary school how to grow their own food. I think we she didn't talk about starving. You know, telling people about taking care of your house, what it, it takes to take care of a house. You know, like in finances and budget and how much money you're going to need to run a house and what a house. Because, you know, most people who until you get out there, like right. my, I remember I was at a party one time and this lady, I said, how are your son doing? He's moved out. And she said he was so shocked that he had to pay the electric bill every month. He just thought he paid it one time. Oh, he, yeah, they <laughs> they don't get it. They don't get it. I'm t- I mean, my kids, when my kids, you know, when they were like 14, 15. I remember Ronnie start working and he said, what is FICA? FICA took some of my money. I said, <laughs> I said, FICA is social security, Ronnie. It's just, it's a tax. He's like, man, they can't take my money like that. And you know, and I'm like, and I started them when they were young, like, you know, you got to pay taxes. You got to learn how to do things because if kids don't get that early, they don't know how to do anything. They don't. They do not know how to work anything. So that's why I think I think our education system, since we got all this downtime, yeah, we need to figure out that's the kind of stuff you need to be teaching people. Everybody needs a home, you yeah. know. Everybody needs for the rest of your life and while you're alive. So why aren't we teaching how to get an apartment or how to buy a house? You know what those what's the steps to to buying apartment? I mean buying a house, buying a condo, buying a um, you know having a place to stay, and we have to solve this problem because the other day I was leaving Georgetown with a friend of mine and everywhere we looked all over DC is all these tents. You know, it's cold outside. I can't even imagine being outside in a tent in the wintertime. And so 
and you know you work in that space and so these are grown folk living in a tent outside in December in January in places like Chicago and DC and Baltimore to me America we can do better than this as Elijah Commons always say we can do better than this and it's sad to me but we can hear Ronnie (laughs) hold on hold on a minute my my phone is dying a little bit okay yeah so that's what I think we need to solve this problem um you know Diane in the state of Virginia and I know this because one of my friends is one of these teachers is they teach and you have to pass this class in the state of Virginia in order to graduate about financial management and it's 21st century workplace skills Mm -hmm. so they teach kids that they teach them about budgeting and you know buying an apartment and a car so that is something that they've recognized as a need and I think we've just lost Boo so hopefully she'll come back on Okay. So it's like, I, I'm still, th- I mean, I'm still, you know, just kind of thinking it through. Okay. So people get the education, but still what I keep hearing Boo talk about though, is really kind of back to mental health. But then we have to, uh, then we have to um, be uh, intentional about helping people have good, good, healthy minds as well as healthy bodies and healthy spirits. We have to be intentional about, you know, they call it now since we're in COVID, self-care. So what are you doing for self-care? You know, what are you doing about that? Um, and so not just doing what we're doing about it, but kids need to know about that. You know, like how you're taking care of your body, how you're taking care of your finances, and not just how are they doing it, how are we teaching them? And so we won't have a, because I really believe that the homelessness in this country is going to really kind of really get out of control very soon because a lot of people are going to be mentally a mental this thing has caused a lot more mental illness to come for right and and, I, and i'm thinking as i keep thinking about it i think about one people don't want to talk about mental health uh two people don't even know what it means to be mentally ill half the time uh and three if you know that you're mentally ill you're not going to admit it Yes, that's true. That's right. You know, I don't know how many times I'm asking, do they have any kind of um, problems? And then they start telling me they got all these different diagnoses. I said, so if you got a diagnosis, then you got to try to get some help, you know, but they don't want to say they got a mental illness. I don't have it. It's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. You don't have to help me. Um, So and then in our community, it's really bad because we refuse to go to therapy and therapy do work if people would just, you know, take advantage of it. Right. Uh, About the therapies thing, because I've heard a different type of therapy. Tell us about the therapies that are used. Okay. Um, well, what you do is you got a psychotherapist, which is the, you know, the, the therapist. And then you have a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist is the, is the doctor who prescribes medication and the psychotherapist refers the patient to the psychiatrist because they think that, you know, they got all these different things going on. Um, and the, the psychiatrist will say, okay, this is what's wrong with them. Maybe they need, you know, they're given certain type of medication to see if their mood or whatever changes. Um, I have guys that come in and say they got somebody talking to them in their head, you know, and, you know, they have a lot of anxiety. They have a lot of fear of people. They can't sleep. 
So it's different things that the psychiatrist and the therapist can work with them to try to help them, but, you know, just to get, you know, feel normal because a lot of times they don't feel like they're normal. They feel like they're a little crazy. Um, and that's how you just go through steps of trying to get to that point of, um, you know, just mm-hmm. stable being just stable. Like most people are stable. You know how you get anxiety and just feel like you're in traffic and you feel like you can't get out of traffic. Um, that's how they feel all the time. They just feel like they just, they're in this thing and they can't get out. Um, and most of the times the doctor would prescribe them something to just calm them down a little bit. So, I, you know, I think most most of them and most of us are in this thing yes. and can't get out. Yeah, I mean, it's the current state <laughs> it's, it's a of living here yes. in, in America. Right, right, right. It's a state. It's a big state. <laughs> but and then you just think most of us are kind of, you know, we can kind of deal with things where you just add on the mental illness part of that. And they just let go. They don't even care what they look like. They don't care what they smell like. They don't care where they live. They can live outside in a tent. So when they get to that point, that's when they come to our shelter. So you can imagine the type of people that we get during the daytime, you know, day and night um, coming to the shelter. All types of people, not just African-Americans or whites. You get people from Asia. You get people from South America. You get people from the Caribbean all over the world. And they come to this area because this area has good resources. You know, they might be living in the Mm -hmm. country, but they come to the big city, you know, to get some food stamps, to get get some, you know, emergency cash assistance. So that's when they come to the city. Wow. Yeah. So do y'all believe that it's solvable then? I I do. Well, I do because I'm in it. I'm in it every day and I feel like it's solvable, but it's just so much work to do. And, you know, it's just not just us who do this work. You have to, I think it has to be a whole community to help these people, help people. Because there's so many, so many resources just in the, in the Washington, D.C., Virginia area that people don't take advantage of. Um, it's solvable, but it's just, it's going to take everybody. Everybody to help. Wow. That's, to me, it's kind of scary. Yeah. It is a little scary. You, uh, you, we live in cities where you see it. You know, you drive, you drive, or and you see all these tents. Yeah. And you realize that it's not just tents. It's just it's people living in those tents. That's where they live. Right. But it's on K Street and Twenty First Street or near George Washington University. Thinking, okay, so we got all these scholars in America who are brilliant. And we can't figure out the homeless problem. Uh, like I remember, I was telling Don, I said it's, they could figure it out. It's a process, and the process costs money. And you know, it's always somebody out there trying to make money off of pe- poor people. So the process, they're gonna go through the process to help people, not just make this thing go away. They could, they could have all kinds of th- all kinds of buildings built for people who are homeless. But if it's not going to make them money, you know, they're not going to be rushing to go do it. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So uh, help, help me understand, how are they making money now off the current system? Um, a lot of times, like the hotels, because of the COVID, the state pays hotels for people to live in the hotels um, per bed night. Like we have, we have two hotels in Baltimore City. The state is paying the hotels. I don't know. I think it's a hundred dollars a night, or maybe it's something like eighty dollars a night per person per bed. So you can see how much money that is if you got twenty, thirty people in one hotel. 
and we have two hotels. I think it has about 60 people. So that's how the hotels are making money. And then if you have a okay. private, you're privately owned, you know, that's, that's money going into your pocket. That's not going to be something you got to pay out. That's money you're automatically going to make. And when they build, you know, when they build different places, they have places all over Baltimore where they're building for the homeless and it's, you know, privately owned. The contractors are going to make money um, off of building the contract, mm-hmm. you know, building the building. And whoever owns it is going to make money off of, of whatever they cost, whatever the cost is. Um, so that's how they make money really off of people who are homeless. One time I was in a meeting in D.C. and it's over there where South uh, Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth Hospital used to be it's a whole campus, like a big, like a big, like a college campus. So half of the campus is D.C. Mm-hmm. government and the other half is federal. The federal government built Homeland Security uh, headquarters over there. And so I was in this meeting. So I was saying, well, why don't they build since there's so much of this land for the D.C. part? Why don't they build some of the tiny houses on some of the spaces? For the um for the homeless and everybody was looking at me like I was crazy because and then I realized what it was they not they not making any money off right of that. right but they would make money they it's all about making <laughs> it's all about the process but, of getting the money um getting the money from really from the government yeah, we live in a you know the the federal yeah because we're in a capitalistic go country. ahead I said because we're in a capitalistic country everything is based on how much right money, the profit right. not service it's all about the money it's all about even even we had well at at the um place that i work now um it's called community action network we get donations all day long all day all night so a lot of times companies bring in truckloads of stuff um and i'm sure they write it off on their taxes otherwise they probably wouldn't do it so that's another way they can make money they can (laughs) you know it's taxable taxable stuff to be off of their income um yeah, so they make money that way. Yeah. There's a lot of different ways they make money. Um, if you have, just like people in social services, if you can get all your people at least signed up for different things, um, agent they got agencies that get paid to to service the homeless people. So it's another way to make money. So there's so many different ways that they can get money off of homeless people, and homeless people really most of the time don't get the services they need. They're just getting basic, basic um, services, food, shelter. So the end result is not really to help the homeless people. It's to help the people who can make the money off the homeless people. That's the name of the game. (laughs) That's the name. And that's sad because that's sad, Marie, because that's it. And the thing that I think that the the new thing that God wants to do with us, I think that He wants us to solve that problem. Like in most cities, like a city like Baltimore, not that much more in D.C., but a city like Baltimore, if you ever been over there, especially in the city, it's all these empty houses. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. It's all these just empty houses, like blocks of empty houses. Boo can mm-hmm. tell you that it's just blocks of empty mm-hmm. houses, abandoned, abandoned, and empty. Right. Houses. So why are we having homelessness and we got all these empty properties in the United States? If you Google empty properties, it probably is thousands of empty, hundreds of thousands. So if the government say, you know, not only are we going to, and don't start when they are mentally ill or of substance abuse, start when they're children. When you finish high school, you have your, if you work on this house, this is your house. And this Mm -hmm. is what you pay every month, you know, for rent or mortgage. 
So let's really solve the homeless problem in America. Don't wait till people get so, you know, overwhelmed with living in America that they all lost their mind and started drinking to ease their pain. Let's talk every everybody who's born to right. need a place to stay. Mm-hmm. So it's like Habitat for a Man. It teaches children how to build and take and take those abandoned houses and we work together, fix this house up, this house up. Use the so and then you own it. And so you're never really homeless. You have the house, you know, you just got to pay the utilities and the taxes or whatever. But um, I think we need to solve this and people and everybody who's getting rich off of it, shame on them. Because there's enough because there's enough money out there, Diane, for all this to be solved. There's so much money in America. There's so much money. There's so much waste. It's so much waste. When you work in a nonprofit, you see other agencies other for-profit agencies that waste so much um, and they could use that resource to help people, but they don't, they, you know, it's all about making money um, and you get mad because, you know, and then you try to advocate for the homeless. They don't really want to hear that. They want to hear how they can make money, not about social services. They want to hear money, not people. And it's sad because this, that's how America mm-hmm. is. That's how America operates. But I think it's solvable, but it's just that people have to, you know, everybody's got to work towards some goal. Um, I know when we were growing up, we'd hardly ever see anybody homeless when we were growing up. But when you when you come to the city, you right. just see so much of it. But everybody was taking care of everybody, in, you know, like in Virginia. Everybody was taking care of, you know, the family members or whoever. But when you come to the cities and there's no more family, no more community, people just get lost. They just drop through the cracks. Yeah. Well, so that's um that's part of the problem. But I feel optimistic. When I go to work, I do feel optimistic. Uh, when I see people who have gone through the program, who've been there for three or four months and they're working, saving their money, you know, I'm setting up with housing referrals. Um, and I can see a light for them. And then here comes somebody else. You just have, you got so many coming, but you're trying to help whoever you can help who wants to help. That's the other thing. They got to want it. <laughs> you got to want to be independent and want to be in a safe space. And if they don't, they're going to end up back in the shelter again or on the street. And it's, it's sad, but it's yeah. workable. Well, you know, when I was, uh, when I work at, uh, when I volunteered among the HBCUs, uh, they were saying that students, uh, and I went to this HBCU collective thing on the Hill one time and this, uh, they were talking about when students who are in the foster care students come to the college, and I'm sure just not HBCUs, any kids that foster get a chance to go to college. When college lets out, you know, for spring break and Christmas breaks, Thanksgiving, these children who are in the foster care system, they have opted out of having a parent. So the school is their house and their food. And so when the school lets out those kids, and so this one college, uh, Johnson C. Smith University, they've actually developed a program for uh, foster kids to, when they come in, they do what you do. They uh, get them in some type of low income. They give them this, get, you know, get the food stamps, get the, all the services, the wraparound services and apartment they need to live in apartments. So they don't live on campus. They actually have an apartment. So when school lets out, for spring break and you know all those breaks Christmas that they go home they just already at home so that's so that's the things to me that's solvable because this time uh, one of my friends works at HBCU 
when COVID happened and they told those kids to go home in March, that college was their home and their food. And so when they shut those doors, they lost their food and their, and their, uh, they lost their meal ticket and their housing. Because they don't have any place to go. Yeah, you see that a lot in um, like the big cities, not just the college kids, but just the kids um, age, ages from 18 to 25. The ones who have, you know, opt, you know, have opted out from being in foster care, who the parents probably, or whoever was taking care of them, said, "Okay, you're 18 now, you gotta go," and they end up on the street. Um, and there are services for them in all major cities for kids at, the, uh, at that age, um, and a lot of them don't realize. It. And then when you go to them and try to tell them, you know, you can still, even, even though you're homeless, you can still get different services. So it's all about resources connecting people to the resources um especially younger people because you see them on the street on the corner begging for money and i you know i always stop and said do you know you can go down to this spot that spot and sleep for the night and you know get something to eat get something to wear um and you know they're so hesitant because they don't they don't believe you <laughs> until they go when they go then you know i guess it's cool but a lot of times they don't believe anything adult tell adults tell them but it's it's just so much work to do. But you know what? I still think it's that we don't have to wait till they get homeless. I think that while kids are in regular school, you know, mm-hmm. in K through twelve setting, that we should be telling yeah. them about these services because they might can even help some of their parents who might. I remember when I, was, I used to work in adult education and literacy and people. Um, and I remember one time this client came in. And we had to do an assessment. I forgot. We didn't call it an assessment because that's too too big of a work. Maybe it was intake. And this lady, I gave her this card to fill out so I could see where she feels. She was the one that gets her GED. So I gave her this card. It was like a little intake card or assessment card. And you had to put your name, address, telephone number. The last time you, you know, what's the last grade you finish? What do you want to happen? You want to learn, you know, get your GED. What do you want to do after GED? It's like a little card. So she filled out her name and she handed it back to me. So I said, so do you want to fill out the rest or, you know, what should we do? So she said, so she started crying. And I said, okay, what's wrong? So she said, well, that's what I, that's what I'm here for because I can't fill out the rest. And um, I have two kids like in the seventh and eighth grade and her boyfriend was in jail and he calls me, she said, he calls me dummy because I can't write him letters. I can't take care of business because this is all I can fill out is my name. Mm-hmm. And I can't help my kids. So I was trying to explain to her that she really can't. We have to start her with a, a literacy group because, you know, to get a GED, you need to be like, the, what, about the eighth to tenth grade level of reading and, you know, and schoolwork. And so... um I think that a lot of times that we have to start really young with people trying to explain all these services, not wait till they're adult and really are struggling and trying to figure it out. But kids, to me, I always tell people, teach kids anything. You know, starting like about six or seven years, so they can understand it and they don't. If you keep talking about it, they'll figure it out. Plus now they got Google so and YouTube. <laughs> so I think we should start telling them about these services. Uh, they might even have the parents. Uh, you know, the thing that's resonating with me the most is um, when Boo said people are falling through the cracks. 
right? So then I have this visualization of, let's think about like, you know, you're, you're walking on the sidewalk, right? And there are cracks uh-huh. on the sidewalk. So I, in, in my head, it's like, you know, the crack could be small and it doesn't matter and you can make it past the sidewalk, but the crack is going to grow and grow right. and grow. So it's like, wow. it's a way to fill in the crack. You know, it's a way to, you know, what are those ways that people, it can't, that crack can't be so big that people fall through it. And a part of that is, is, is what, you know, you know, Boo was saying about resources and also what you were saying, Diane, where it goes even further back to just basic skills, basic business skills to fill out things in order to avail yourselves mm-hmm. of those resources. And, you know, they don't, a lot of times in schools now, they don't give them that basic stuff. They just, you know, they're pushing, they're pushing mm-hmm. so many, all this tech stuff and just give them a basic, how to write, you know, how to write your name, how to write a signature, how to add, how to subtract, you know, basic, 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 because a lot of guys in the, in the shelter, <laughs> they can't read and write. And they're like in their forties or their fifties. And they're like, Miss Moore, I don't understand. You got to, you know, you got to read it to me. And when you start talking to them, it goes back to their families and more than likely the family was on welfare or dysfunction and they didn't get that basic stuff growing up. And then by the time they got to be a teenager, they dropped out of school. So that started their cycle Mm -hmm. right there when they didn't finish high school, they didn't get any kind of training for a job. So they just kind of like hustling and on the street. So they, they don't know, they don't, they know how to add money. They don't know how to, they don't know how to do it on paper. And now with everything being on the computer, oh my God, that's a whole nother thing. Cause they can't sit still long enough to learn how to at least cut the computer on, how to learn how to click a mouse. Um, it's just real basic stuff. They should have learned a long time ago, but they didn't. So that's when you see them and then adults, you have to just go where they are and start them from point A. Okay, let's let's show you how to cut the computer on. Let's show you how to at least type your name, you know. So I'm telling you, it goes back to families and education. That's that's my thing. I'm thinking if you can just get that going, you know. Right. And I think it goes that's, back to literacy. You know, sound like mm-hmm. literacy. That's the basic yep. illiterate or subliterate. And it, it, you know, I, I thought about when I was out for six months. And I had to fill out all these forms for short-term mm-hmm. disability. In my mind, I kept thinking, here I am with a master's mm-hmm. degree. How does somebody do this without a high school education or high school education? It was so much paperwork. It, it was so much, so many deadlines right. that you had to make. You know, so you know, I think that is part of it, you know. Just making sure people have basic skills or giving them a place where they can get those right. basic skills. I have guys who. But you know what? I was, since, since you said that, Marie, I think so. Since, you know, Boo said this thing is based on money. So they want people to fall through the crack. Right, right. Mm-hmm. They want you not to get educated. Right. I mean, that's why I'm, I'm so. Dr- they want, yes, they right. want, they want you to, to be one of those. Yeah. They don't want you. They don't want you to be smart enough to understand things. Because I feel like Marie, when I went, I didn't go out on short term, but I went out. You know, I took a couple of months off, and all the stuff I had to go through just to get all my treatments, all the paperwork, all the telephone calls, all the telehealth things, all the. I mean, they were driving me crazy, and I'm thinking if I didn't understand this stuff, I probably would have never did none of it. I would have just said, "Let's forget it. I ain't doing that." (laughs) You know. 
And you find that with a lot of homeless people because they don't have an address. They don't have a good working phone. So, you know, I'm like, you got a problem with your knee. We need to try to get you some disability. Well, Miss Moore, I tried that. Nobody's helping me. And I don't know how to do all these forms and I have to go online. So, you know, they, so many people who don't get any benefits at all until they run into somebody like us. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. We gotta. Um, we. I think I turned it off. I need to help fill up these cracks. We need, we need to fill in the cracks. And, and that's, that's I feel like that's I'm a crack oh. filler <laughs> when I go to work. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I got that cough, baby, and I'm just pushing that button trying to fill in them cracks because I'm telling you every day I go to work and some more cracks, some more cracks, some more cracks. And I'm thinking, am I ever gonna get this thing filled up? Oh my goodness gracious. We're we the crack fillers, crack but we fillers. like, but we like, we I think our family crack. likes solving problems. Um, and I think that's what mm, we yeah. do. But, mm, um, yeah. I think, I yeah. think in Africa, <laughs> I think we were the ones who were pushing everybody. I swear I do. Because, um, yeah. like Della, Della's like, she wants to always do things. And when they were growing, they would get, get so mad at me because I'm always helping people. And they said, mom, can you just not help anybody? Just do us. <laughs> don't be doing everybody. Don't do anybody else. We can't help anybody else. I don't care if they're homeless. I don't care if the kids are hungry, mom. Just don't. You can't. <laughs> you know. <laughs> and they would get so mad at me. And they said, here goes Mother Teresa again trying to help somebody. You know. And I'm like, y'all kids got too much to eat anyways. Let them children eat some of that stuff. You know. But <laughs> mm -hmm. Guess and look, what? They, and they doing turned the same into thing me. Now. I know they just, I know they're so upset they are. Yeah. They just turned into me. Della really was fighting it tooth and nail. She's she talking about doing it on her podcast. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I start laughing to myself. I'm thinking, yeah. oh, wow. She has really turned that curve because she used to always fuss at me about helping people. Now she wants to help people. <laughs> I said, isn't That's that great. something? That's great. Isn't that something? But um, yeah, it's, it's just, we're, we're the crack fillers. We just, and every time you see somebody who's homeless, you know, I don't try to give them money. I try to give them a resource. I don't give them money. I mean, it may be as yeah, easy you, as that. A yeah. resource card. You have or... to tell them where to go, where you can get some resources. Because most of the people who are homeless probably got a drinking problem or a substance abuse problem. And that's how they end up homeless. They either lost their apartment or... Uh, in-law or relative or whatever got sick of them, sick and tired of them, and they just put them out. So they end up on the streets. So I'm, I'm most, almost 80% of the people that I deal with have some kind of issue. Oh, one of the times, y'all, one time I was on the metro, on the subway in D.C., I was going from D.C. to Rockville. I think I had an interview or something had to go away to Rockville, Maryland. I was on the subway on the rent line and so it was this girl on there, young girl like 20 something 20 to 30 with this boy about 7 or about 5 to 8 and it was on the week and the girl had a pillow mm -mm. on the metro and she was on there kind of fluffed up her pillow and was, went to sleep and her son was looking at me and he started singing this song he made up about they came down here to have this life and it didn't work out and they don't have no place to stay and they on this train, that's where they mm. sleep every day. So he was looking at me singing the song and I was thinking <laughs> and she kind of woke up and looked at my face and I looked at them and I was thinking, wow, so this, she wastes, she spends her day riding this train because it's a long train ride from, from D.C. to Rockville, Maryland. But 
so she um, comes on here and sleep and they rest on this train. He's trying to tell me mm. they're in trouble. And I was thinking, wow. So all I can do is pray. But just think, I like the resource card, Mr. Marie. Just think if we was walking around with the resource card, I would hand it to her. And right. this is where you can go. And because people don't, you know, and here's five dollars to get on the phone if you have to go use a sell. You know, if you do give the money, go find a phone and you know get you some bunch of quarters and get. Oh, they don't have to sell me right, phone booths right. anymore. Whatever you need to um, how to get. Yeah. But um, I was a at a call. gas station. Go ahead. Is there like a? Go ahead, Marie. I'm sorry, but no, but I was at a gas ahead. station and I had canned goods and stuff in my car that we got from the shelter. And, you know, I had him bagged up and I was trying to give him to this guy mm-hmm. who was standing at the gas station at the pump. He said, ma'am, I don't need all that stuff. You know, I'm homeless. I can't carry that stuff. I said, I said, so you're going to be hungry tonight. He said, well, I'll just be hungry. I'll just start begging, but I'm not carrying canned goods and stuff around. So, you know, in their mind, it's like, I don't care. I'll figure out how to get something else. I'm not going to fool with those cans, you know. So it, it, the mindset is the mindset, how, what they're thinking about, how they think they're going to survive for the night. Um, and that girl that was on the bus, and I'm thinking about how rich we are in this country. Rockville is one of the richest cities we got in the United States. She's riding around, you know, homeless right. on the train to Rockville. In but Rockville. so many services up in the area that if somebody just told her, well, you could go here because you have a kid. They, they, when you have kids, they try to give you whatever services you need to try to get you housed, like, right now. Um, so if she knew that, she probably wouldn't, you know, be on the train riding around. But more than likely, she didn't know it or she didn't want to know it. You know how you give people stuff and they really don't want to, they don't appreciate what you're giving to them? So mm-hmm. it just depends on where their mind is and how they take it. So is there, is there you know, like, there's a, a 1-800 line for people who are yeah. suicidal. Is there like a one line for homelessness um, in the U.S.? I don't think it's a 1-800 number, but you could call 211 or 311. And 211... Yeah, yeah, you can call, call either one of those. What, what is that? Go ahead. Two well, one, what is that? 211 connects you with all kinds of services like food, shelter. They will connect you to like D, uh, Department of Social Services. They would... um tell you where to go for the night. They would tell you where you can go get some food. They tell you where you can go get some clothes. Now, 311 is more serious. Like if you're thinking about hurting yourself or hurting somebody else, then they send somebody to you, to, directly to you on the street and try to talk to you, like me. You know, try to talk to you and see what's going on and, you know, do you need to go to the hospital? That's the difference between 211 and 311. Is that nationwide? Um, I don't know if it's nationwide. I know it's in, it's in this area. Well, a three one one for us is like the first one. Like if you um, like non emergency, yeah, yeah, you can't take a urgent <laughs> bill. You know, if you need a doctor's appointment, if you want that COVID shot, if mm-hmm. you want a COVID test, you can call three one one. That's the city. I don't know. If, is it emergency people? Two one one in Baltimore is services. Three one one, I guess, in DC is the same type of services. But either one of them will connect you to yes, yes. somebody, you know, like a counselor like myself to find out what you need. If, if it's an immediate, if you need to go to the hospital, mm-hmm. I tell them which hospital is close to them. Um, and 211, you know, I would tell them, okay, let's go down, go downtown on Utah Street and you go to this address and then you go in there and, you know, I'm going to call them and tell them you're coming. And so, you know, you can at least get some food for the night or 
you know, have somewhere to stay. So it's different for each city. All the cities got all kinds of services. You just have to call, you know, and set it up. Um, but again, if they don't have a phone, you know, now with the libraries being closed mm-hmm. and, you know, all the places that homeless people used to hang out, like in the subways and stuff, they can't hang out there anymore. Right. So they're on the street, uh, living in a tent or living on the sidewalk or under a bridge. Um, so it's so it's really bad now. And then I would say in about six months from now, it's going to be overwhelming. We're going to have so many people in the homeless shelters. We're not going to be able to house all of them. Plus COVID. With COVID, you got to stretch them out. You can't have them on top of each other. So, you know, you got to have a bunk here, a bunk there, six feet away. And it's hard to do that when you got limited space and limited resources. But it's it's doable, you know. It's just that, like I said, it's, America is all about making money. If they get out of that mindset, then we could do a whole lot for people. And then maybe COVID will help us get there because it will be so many people that'll be in this situation that are not accustomed mm-hmm. to being in this situation. That is yes, because it's, it's overwhelming. I That's mean, right. people that you won't expect to be in a shelter or be homeless. Just like look at all the lines of food. All those food lines, you would never, mm-hmm. never in a million years stop people from being in line to get some groceries, from some free groceries at that. Well, I was on a, a conference call the other night. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, she wanted to hook up with another friend of mine who has a business who that kind of this sells this antimicrobial that kills the the coronavirus in the air, or put it, you know, it helps kill the coronavirus. It's, you know, it's not. 100 percent efficacious but she wanted me her brother to know about this business so i um had him on a conference call i mean not a conference call a zoom call so the brother was so my friend was i introduced him to with the business he asked him so what do you do he said i'm a i'm a shop steward president i used to be a president of a shop steward for a union in atlanta georgia georgia area he said what atlanta what what is your um what's your what trace did you cover and he said, we do trade shows and conferences in Atlanta Civic Centers, in their conference center and their convention center. And so, so, you know, they come in, they, you know, the trucks come in, they set up all the exhibit halls and all this stuff and all the breakout rooms. He said they have, a, and it's 10,000 people in his union, they haven't worked since March because there's no conferences and conventions. And so he said that another group that we we're working with it's the hotel people, they haven't worked since March either, a lot of them, because the conferences and the conventions feast the hotels. So to me, the problem is going to really grow. That many people just in those industries, just in those cities, are not working. Can you imagine? No. <laughs> you know, the... everything is a ghost town. I mean, you, you ride around the city, it's just a ghost town. Everywhere is closed, everything is closed. Everything. I think about all the people who, you know, lost their job because of COVID. And it's just absolutely crazy how many people are not working and who don't have. Can you imagine not paying your mortgage for six months? Or your gas and electric or your credit cards. Yeah. I mean, that kind of money. It's not in just. And, a, and mortgage is different than renting. You know, mortgage people, you know, the mortgage company yep. will put it on right. the back end. They'll try to work with you. 
with a lot of rental people, they've got to pay the mortgage on the building that you are living in or department or so they ready to put you out to see if they can get they somebody do. in there. But, but uh, you know, like I said, resources. Mm-hmm. There there are money there's money in the state of Maryland and probably across the country for people who own apart who have apartments. They giving they're giving out um grants to these apartments to help them, you know, recoup some of that money that um people can't pay the rent for. But unless they know where to go get the money you know, mm-hmm. they don't know anything about it. They get help with the rental properties. They get help with the gas and electric. They even get help with the landscaping. But you got to apply for this money to get it. And then if they don't get it, you know, they're going to be pushing on the renters to, you know, pay their rent every month. Mm-hmm. You know, I see an opportunity for a young person listening to this to develop some type of business where you're gathering this information. <laughs> You know, all these resources and gathering the right. information for people because it's hard to find all this information if right. you don't know what you're looking for. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah, they, it's like research. You know, I'm sure they probably can create some type of app, you know, for every region that we have. Because um, yes. I was thinking about creating a, like yeah. a little, little quick book, you know, just to look at like the flip, a flip over book. Um, not even really a big book, maybe a card to just tell you all these different places that you can go get different things. And I'm sure the kids could probably figure out how to do that. And, and tie it to YouTube or tie it to TikTok or tie it to one of those, you know, things they go to because mm-hmm. um, there's so many resources. And I get so tired of saying the same thing all the, all the time about resources, um, places to go to get things. Um, and now everybody, you know, they, they grab for their phone. So if you can grab your phone and say, OK, I need a resource here. I need this. Even people who are homeless, they have phones. Well- but then, too, maybe it is, maybe it's, maybe everybody doesn't have a phone. I think about this. I think about, this is just a really small one, is that going to a restaurant last night that didn't have a menu, you had to download mm-hmm. a QR code to look at the menu. Work. You had to do yeah. some work. So, okay. <laughs> I had to do some work. Just to eat. Just <laughs> but. I know I should have been upset about that because here I was in a right, restaurant right, eating, right. right? But I'm still back. Oh my God. It gives you a headache. It gives you a headache trying yeah. to do all that. Yeah. So, look, we don't even have mental health yeah. issues. So, you know, we, we get a headache. Can you imagine people who got mental health issues? I'll be like, oh, I ain't even. <laughs> so, can, you, can y'all see like uh, some type of waterproof card or mm-hmm. something? that is created, that is put inside of the cracks of sidewalks with the information on it. Wow. <laughs> I think I'm just sticking up on sideways. Which way are they going to go? However they want to go. You just, you gotta, you pull, you pull, pull, it out, pull it out of the crack. That's a good one, Marie. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, oh, my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Stick it through the cracks. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. But you know what? They they have uh, in some neighborhoods in my neighborhood. They have these little boxes in front of people's houses with books, yeah. and you can pick a book, and you can once you read the book, you put mm-hmm. it back in there. Or, and so, if we had those little, you know, like emergency uh, crack boxes around <laughs> in every neighborhood that But you know, they do they do have some in Baltimore. I know they have them in Baltimore City. They have information booths, and then like on on buses mm-hmm. and stuff, they have mm-hmm. the revolving thing where you know different advertisements are on the buses so it's almost like you give them the information but are they going to use it are you going to use the information that we're giving you 
uh, can you use it? But you know what? Yeah, but one time I was on the bus uh, uh, in uh, D.C., and these two people came on the bus, a white guy and a black guy, a black woman. And they said, can we talk to y'all for one minute? First of all, can we pray with y'all? You know, everybody, you know, 80% mm, of us. I believe it. Yes. And then they said, can we give you a card? It was, they were promoting their church. And I was just thinking, suppose the, the metro system hired people to come on buses and say, can, can I get everybody's mm, attention mm, for five mm. minutes? Let me tell mm, you about mm, the mm. services. You know, that could be, that's make, if you want to start that business to make money, but to be a service, to just mm. come on the bus, mm-hmm. you know, buses, trains, you know, because that's where a lot of our people be on public transportation in major cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, in most cities, you know, because if we don't have a car, we on the train, but uh, on the bus. And so you came on there and you told them about the services that's available, you know, and because most people, we're assuming that people know, but most people don't know. You know, and then when you get really, you know, hurt and broken, you can't even hear, you know, because you're so busy right. trying to survive. Well, you know, right. I wonder what if they had a way on the buses where they had like a loudspeaker, <laughs> you know, just kind of yeah. just saying what yeah. services are out there. If you want to listen to this, this is this is go, you know, go down on Utah Street and go go to Baltimore Street, go here, yeah. go there. But, you know. They they advertise everything else, but they don't advertise stuff that they really need to advertise for people. You know, yeah. they advertise. I mean, and when you go on YouTube and all these other different channels, I mean, grown people are out there doing yes. all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, are you serious? Yeah. Are you? You know how many people are out there homeless and hungry, yeah. or or you know, about to kill themselves, and yeah. you guys out there, you know, shaking your behind and doing this and doing that. Oh, it makes me crazy. <laughs> it makes me absolutely crazy yeah. because. But look, and then if you talk to somebody homeless about something on YouTube, I, I bet they could tell you what it was. <laughs> you oh, know, wow. it's all about okay. getting their attention. They yeah. got their attention with all the other stuff, but stuff they need to know about, yes. they don't want to talk about. Yes. And maybe somebody will hear this and they'll start using some of their marketing dollars on social media to get people introduced to the unit to yes, uh, city get services. them connected just get uh, and not get connected services. just being connected is it's a world of difference when you know like they say when you know better you do better they just got to know mm-hmm. better they got to know where to go right. get it and do better for themselves mm-hmm. well, somebody might have to serve right. them and help them well, y'all, we have, uh, you know, we got three cousins, don't you know what, uh, our cousin Sharon, she gets three, uh, three uh, cousins together. Uh- <laughs> Look, I, I'm always telling Diane, I said, Diane, I wish you lived in Baltimore. Oh, my God, we could have so many. I would have, I would have to have, have a whole building for all the things that I could probably accumulate. Just from, just from, 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 from working nonprofit, and so many people try to give me stuff, and I'm like, I can't. I don't have anywhere to put things, you know? food and supplies and things so that's why when i say there's resources out there there's so many resources out there for people they just got to learn how to tap into it tap into it yeah well thank you miss moore um for coming on talk about the homeless maybe something we said will help somebody to serve somebody else thanks for having me and we incredibly interesting i mean you don't you don't have an opportunity i guess and to talk about certain topics and this is an important one and one that's going to be more important 
as time goes on, probably this year. So, Yabu, really appreciate your time today and oh, talking thank about you so this. Much. Um, this is episode 15 wow. of Pleasant wow. Drop All Knowledge. Right. All right, All right cousins. cousins. I'll talk to y'all later. You too. Have a great week. All right. Bye. Bye-bye.